When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello, schools. We are privileged indeed to have in our studio the distinguished octogenarian Professor Burlap, BA, FRCS, an amateur bloodletter, <laughs> to talk to you about his childhood memoirs prior to his impending American tour and imminent death. <laughs> Professor Burlap. <laughs> Professor Burlap, the, the title of your talk is Forgotten Folklore. Oh, oh, is it? I'd forgotten. <laughs> oh, oh, dear! Well, uh, hello again, schools. Uh, In the professor's unavoidable absence, uh, I should uh, like to talk to you today about forgotten folklore. I remember the mother of my dear wife, a wise old countrywoman, an unbearable old crone, saying, If the oak comes out before the ash, we shall have a splash. If the ash comes out before the oak, we shall have a soak. That is an example of wise old folklore. Or, to put it another way, stupid old mother-in-law. <laughs> and now, if you hear this... In Dorset, this means... If the livelong day the rain do fall, tis middling unwise to walk out with nothing on at all. <laughs> In Scotland, it means... When lightning crackles o'er the locks, don't forget to carry in your spore and a spare pair of socks. <laughs> And in the southeast, electric discharge between the clouds and the ground. <laughs> One serious word of warning. <laughs> when you hear the following, make immediately for the middle of a deserted field, lie flat on the ground, and completely cover the ears. <laughs> Prune tune, we bring you today's forecast of six. Timbrook Taylor, John Cleese, Graham Garden, David Hatch, Joe Kendall, and Bilotti, with their own ancient motto. Oh no, it's time, sorry, I'm in there again, mother, again! Imagine if you can. Or if you can't think of anything else. (laughs) We are in a theatre bar during the interval between acts. (laughs) That was funny. It happened last so much for a long time. (laughs) I think that's the funniest thing I've ever (laughs) seen. When when that fellow came in the door... And Sergeant Gittings was in the tiger skin. (laughs) 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 It does you good to have a really good laugh. Let me get you a drink. What do you want? Ah, gin and tonic, please. Gin and tonic, please. Then back in a tick. (laughs) Rupert! Oh, hello. Fancy seeing you here. I haven't seen you for years. Uh, See, dear darling, this is Malcolm Kerr. Malcolm, see, dear. Hello. Hello. Isn't this a marvellous play? Terribly funny. (laughs) Oh, you like it, do you? (laughs) Yes. Yes, I I think it's really pretty funny. (laughs) Funny? Yes. In parts. Bits of it are, are quite funny, don't you? Yes, yes, I suppose some of it's uh, quite amusing. I mean, I mean, I, I don't think it's that good. No. No. 
But there, but there were moments when, um, like the scene with the porter. Marvellous. Very funny. That bit with the porter. <laughs> Wildly overdone. Uh, overdone, yes. <laughs> overdone, yes. But, but really... Quite funny. Exactly. My very words. Overdone, but quite funny. Except for the end. Except for the end, which was a, a little more... Uh, more, um... Which was a little more, um... What? Well, I was just saying it was a little, little more, um, as compared with the rest, it was more surrealist. Surrealist? Oh, no, I wouldn't agree with that. <laughs> no, no, not surrealist. No? No, so, no. no, no, well, well perhaps I'm, I'm not expressing myself very well. Ah, Paul, ah, Paul, I want you to meet Rupert Clark, Clements, Clements, and uh, this lady. <laughs> Celia. Celia Thomas. Thomas! Yes. No, there's no reason you should have known Thomas. I didn't tell you. No. Of course you didn't. No. <laughs> you haven't told us your friend's name. Oh, 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 Paul. Uh, Paul. It's my brother, Paul. A uh, brother-in-law. Paul. Uh, Foxley Norris. Hello. Hello. Ah, oh, how do you do? We were just discussing the play. Marvellous, isn't it? What? <laughs> we, were, we were just agreeing it was quite funny in parts. <laughs> Bits of it were really quite funny. Bits of it? You said it was the funniest thing you've ever seen. Did he? No, no. I, I meant, I meant with the bit with the porter. Overdone, but uh, overdone, overdone, yes. over the top, over the top, over the top. Exactly. Over the, over the top. What does that mean? <laughs> sort of, sort of overdone. Yes. Yes, it was funny, but over the pot. Top. Top. Over the <laughs> The porter bit was, uh, was over the top, but quite funny. Well, you were laughing at the whole thing. Well, quite a lot in bits. Um, which other bits did you write? What? <laughs> well, uh, the porter bit. Yes, that's been agreed. Well, you, you practically fell off your seat at that chap in the tiger skin. Did he? Did he laugh at that? No, no, I didn't laugh at that. <laughs> Oh, that wasn't funny. Oh, I thought it was. <laughs> well, well, it was humorous. Yes, it was humorous rather than funny. I mean, one smiles. Oh, well, I laughed out loud. Oh, that bit with the tiger's skin. Yes, yes. I did laugh at that bit. Yes, he did laugh. Yes, I did. Very funny. Very, very funny. Mm. But it wasn't that funny. <laughs> no, it wasn't. No, more, more humorous. Uh, a surrealist in the big top. Rather than wildly over the... Uh, oh, there goes the telephone. It must be for me. Does your friend go to the theatre often? Often? He's a critic. <laughs> oh, that's better. Nice sunny day. Enjoy yourself. Oh, whenever I feel glum, I collect a bag of crumbs. And on Sunday I go out to take the air. With the crust of mother's pride and a pinch of cyanide, persecuting pigeons in Trafalgar Square. In the early morning hush, with my bottle and my brush, quoting Nelson's column with great care. With some stuff that looks like paint, but I promise you it ain't. I'm persecuting pigeons in Trafalgar Square. Oh, I can't agree with crucifying crickets. 
And I wouldn't wish a wombat any harm And I'd never flagellate a defenseless alligator And I'd seldom irritate an arm A dill open on Sunday after tea Just my grandmama and me How we love it and the people all declare Though she's nearly 91 She still gets a lot of fun From persecuting pigeons in Trafalgar Square Promenading in St. James I play lots of little games Any dark and stormy night you see me there When I'm digging up the weeds And planting hemlock seeds For persecuting pigeons from Trafalgar Square Oh, it's naughty, I agree But I inoculate a peanut With a powder that would paralyze a bear So a bird that takes the bait Find it absolutely fatal Persecuting pigeons in Trafalgar Square Oh, I don't approve of mutilating muskrats It's appalling when impalas are entailed And I'm never much elated When a bat is being baited And I've never castigated whales or Scotland I have built a vision hut Like a little model church And before each murder lights It says a prayer Cause where the altar should have been I have fixed a guillotine For persecuting pigeons In Trafalgar Square Persecuting pigeons In Trafalgar Darling, I'm going to make you breakfast in bed. Mm. <laughs> I'd rather use the frying pan. Don't you want it? No. But wouldn't you like a treat? Yes, but can't you think of something else? This is the fifth time you've offered me breakfast in bed this morning, and it's still only half past two. I only, only want to please you. You're after something. All right, it's true. I want to buy a dress. What? I can't go out without one. I don't spend money on dresses. <laughs> I think you should make your own, like I do. Besides, I don't like you as you are. John, I can't go on pretending I'm a naturist. It embarrasses people on the bus. <laughs> I must have some clothes. You must have some clothes and the children of the jumble cell. Should get a couple of quid for them. <laughs> Ten more than we paid. How can you joke about the children? Everyone's laughing at them. Well, they've got a very good act. <laughs> and you never pay the bills. The gas has been cut off, the phone's been cut off, the water's been cut off, and if you don't pay the hospital for your operation, goodness knows what they'll do. <laughs> oh, why are you so mean? I'm sorry. I'm, I'm truly very, 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 very... Very, very sorry. I'll come back to bed. Oh, John. Turn out the light. Mm. You're wasting electricity. <laughs> oh, John. Sometimes I look at you and I want to scream. I'm not taking off my gorilla mask. 
No, I haven't. It's Thursday. You never remember our wedding anniversary. You didn't even remember our wedding. <laughs> Three weeks I stood outside the church. Then when you did arrive, you were drunk. And after three minutes, you rushed out of the church yelling that you were being chased by enormous black and white centipede. Well, I'd never seen a choir before. <laughs> and you might have learned your lines. How can anyone forget I do? Well, the vicar prompted me. Yes, and it was three weeks before I could get a divorce from him. <laughs> What were you doing for three weeks? We were trying to make a go of it. Oh, what a muddle. We had to do the whole ceremony over again. I don't know why we bothered. I was perfectly happy with the verger. Anyway, how can you complain? I've bought you a lovely house in the country. Why don't you go there? But I want you to be there. All right, I'll go there. But John, that house is made for two. All right, I'll take my secretary. Your secretary? That's another thing. Did she have to stay here last night? We were working very late. I don't believe you. You can ask her. All right, I will. Were you working late last night? Yes, ever so late. <laughs> She's come between us. <laughs> I wouldn't mind if she didn't snore. She keeps the milkman awake and this bed's just not big enough for the five of us. The five of us? Mr. Porter the butcher. He sleeps at the bottom end. Oh, I thought it was a hot water bottle. <laughs> oh, dear. What? I filled him up with boiling water. <laughs> Yeah, anywhere. I'm not having you sleeping with three men, so you'd better get out. Oh, no, John. <laughs> you can't break your promise. Remember that wedding day. You promised to love and cherish me till death us do part. What's your answer to that? <laughs> oh, John, you've shot me. I'm sorry, it was meant for the milkman. <laughs> We are now in the Royal Opera House, Covent Garden, to hear the little-known operatic work, El Budgerigar, by Johann Sebastian Oyster Prejudice. <laughs> the libretto is based on an old traditional Latvian folk joke and concerns the story of an old woman who has two budgerigars, one green and one red. One day they escape and fly to the top of the tree, but no one will rescue them except the village idiot climbs the tree and brings down the red budgerigar. When the villagers ask him why he didn't bring down the green one, he has a very good answer. And now, El Budgerigar. <laughs> What a glorious day, the sun is shining, the sun is shining upon our little village. The sun is shining, the sun is shining, it is indeed a glorious day.
Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Yes, it is on days like this that jokes happen. Help! 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 Hark, did you hear that? Isn't that the voice of old Mrs. George Apoltis? Of old Mrs. George Apoltis, George Apoltis. No! It is Mrs. Smith! And isn't she the old lady with two budgery cars? One green and one red one? Yes, one green and one red one! Two buttery guards have escaped. No! They have flown to the top of a high tree. Get away. <laughs> oh, who will catch them for me? Who will catch them? Who will catch them? Not us. Oh, please. Please, who will catch them? I will catch them. Who are you? I am Tom. Oh, Billy Jenny. What's this? But see, he has only brought down the red one. Why? with us now to the year 1810, to England under George III. Oh, George, you are... <laughs> Back to the days of Georgian elegance, Georgian taste, Georgian splendor. Georgian the dragon. Our story today concerns one man whose clothes and style of dress 
set the fashion for the age. Faye Brummel? No. This is the story of Bow Legs. <laughs> is Windsor Barracks. There is a great military parade and the commander of the regiment, Brigadier Clutch Featheringhoor, sits on a magnificent Arab charger, while beside him the Prince of Wales sits on a fine Spanish chestnut. Oh, I'm not comfy. <laughs> look, Your Highness, here comes the parade. Oh, how magnificent the men look, marching past in their bearskins. Yes. <laughs> we couldn't afford the uniforms. But now, here's the high spot of parade, a display of horsemanship by Captain Legs. Look, here he comes. Thundering across the parade ground gallop Bow Legs, closely followed by his horse. Then, <laughs> springing into the saddle, he gave an amazing display. He stood on the saddle, bounced onto the ground and back onto the horse, rode backwards, sideways, upside down. Help! <laughs> then he fell off. Oh, I see, bravo. Who is that man? That is Captain Legs. His friends call him Bo. Good morning, Brigadier. Morning, Legs. I say, Brigadier, who is your fat friend? What? You insolent puppy. This is His Highness, the Prince of Wales. Really? He looks just like an ordinary whale to me. Oh, you cheeky cat! You have gone too far, sir. You'll pay for this, you impudent dog. Take that. Ah! Brigadier, what are you doing? I'm stuffing five-pound notes into your ears. You mean... Yes. You're cashiered. <laughs> And so Bowlegs was thrown out of the army. He was furious. Oh, I am cross. <laughs> and even more upset was his faithful servant, Grimbley. Oh, the disgrace, sir. Stripped of your rank in front of the whole regiment. Oh, oh, sir, it brought tears to my eyes when they cut off your pips. <laughs> mind, Grimbling. I may no longer be an officer, but I'm still a gentleman. Thank him for small mercy. <laughs> what will you do, sir? Fear not, Grimbling. I shall get even with them. I shall take society by storm. I shall become the most sought-after man in town. Yes, in my exquisitely cut coat, my fine white cravat, and my skin-tight breeches. I'll show them all. <laughs> well, nearly all. <laughs> Next morning, Bo hurried off to the tailor to buy his new clothes. Good morning. This is Kane and Levi's bespoke tailoring emporium, haberdashers to the nobility, is it not? That's right, yes, and I'm Cohen. When you get back, I'd like to buy... <laughs> to buy some clothes. Uh, made to measure or off the peg? Made to measure. All right, I'll go and get them off the peg. But wait, what sizes have you got for my chest, waist and hips? Well, they're small, uh, medium and large. Yes, that should fit. Better still, how about a plum-coloured velvet frock coat with open-toed satin lapels, 15 denier Harris tweed cuffs in lavender organdy, five boots of saffron leather in French pleats finished with tangerine tassels, and a waistcoat of watered hessian in burnt vermilion with just the faintest hint of peach about the pocket. I can do you a nice brown suit. That's the kind of... <laughs> And so next day, Bowlegs in his fine new clothes visited the local coffee house where all the young bloods gathered. 
Here we are, Gribbling. Now watch the reaction when I go in. You see, Gribbling? <laughs> They're stunned and gasping. Oh, what have we here? Who is this poppin My name is Bowleg. Really? And I see you've splashed out on some new clothes. Oh, uh, have I? I'm sure. How careless. <laughs> Now, be a good chap and run along, and leave the trend setting to your betters, like me. How dare you speak to me like that? I'll teach you to cross bow legs. You are beginning to bore me, man cub. <laughs> Master. Yes, Governor. Throw this young fool out. Well, no, boss, it's as good as dim. I mean done. <laughs> Anymore, throw him out. Whoop! The swine. Fortunately, I've landed on something soft. What luck. You can say that again. <laughs> oh, yes, it was none other than Lady Constance de Coverlet. And once again, when things were in a mess, fate stepped in. <laughs> oh, bother. <laughs> and now, dear boy, I'm having a little party tonight. Lady Beagle, Prince, I learned to be happy. General Lee speaking. His son, Frank Lee speaking. His daughter, Norma Lee speaking. And then dog, Spot. Alpha and Dame Nation, Miss Primula Wittering. Miss Primula Wittering. Primula Wittering stood in the doorway, a beautiful creature with long blonde hair that fell in ringlets down her neck. Bo could hardly take his eyes off the ravishing figure standing before him in a daringly low-cut dress. I am a debutante, Mr. Legs. I'm coming out this season. So I see. <laughs> Soon he was chatting to her in a corner until Lady Constance signaled to him with her fan. Oh, dear boy. I should like to sit down. Oh, Mr. Legs, would you fetch a chair for her? Will one chair be enough? Oh, I doubt it. Grimbling. Yes, sir. Sure. Let's have three chairs for Lady Constance. Certainly, sir. Hip. Him. No need to get <laughs> My lords, ladies and gentlemen, His Highness, the Prince of Wales. It looks like a really lovely spread, and I'm not a loony, see? Ladies and gentlemen, haven't I seen you somewhere before? Yes, sir. I'm afraid I was rather rude. Oh, so you were, but it doesn't matter, because I forgive you, and in any case, I like potatoes. Soon they were as thick as thieves. The prince was pretty thick to start with. <laughs> Suddenly, Beau remembered Primula Wittering, and he set off to find her, little knowing that she was, at that moment, closeted with the villainous Sir Percy Prune Fetish himself. How pleasant this is. Just the two of us. Ah, Sir Percy, get away from that young lady. That's it. Now climb into that filing cabinet and get into the drawer marked P for prune fetish. Curses. Filed again. Miss Wittering, this blackguard has tried to sully your reputation. You swine. 
I have no alternative but to challenge you to a duel. Oh, no. So, all right, I'll challenge him to a duel. <laughs> oh, Mr. Legs, how brave you are. I'll be your second. You'll be my first, actually. <laughs> it was a desperate battle. To and fro they fought, grappling and punching, until at last one of them lay vanquished on the ground. Oh, enough. Absolutely vanquished. Oh, woe is me. Oh, I can never show my face in public again. Oh, the humiliation. Oh, oh. From that moment on, Bowlegs forsook high society and spent his time on drinking, gambling, and women. He was no fool. <laughs> but soon his money was all gone, and he was forced to live in an attic in a dirty old bare house. Who's been sleeping in my bed? <laughs> That was the dirty old bear. <laughs> then one day, as Bo lay starving and ill, he had an unexpected visitor. <coughs> Come in. My lord, do I intrude? Oh, your highness. Yes, tis I. You heard the news? They've made me Prince Regent. <coughs> oh, Bo, we used to be such friends, but that's all over now, thank goodness. Yes. <coughs> it's all over now. I... Had some good times. But they're all past now. <laughs> oh, God. But if I had my time over again, I'd do it all the same. <laughs> Maybe I'd learn from some of my mistakes. Who knows? But it's too late now. Too late. And stop playing the saxophone when I'm talking to you. <laughs> And so the prince said farewell to Bowlegs. Chitty old bull. <laughs> and two days later, faithful old Grimbling, tears streaming down his face, rode to the palace with a message for the prince. And when the court heard the news, they stood in silence and wept. Yes, Bowlegs had got better. <laughs> You have been listening to I'm Sorry, I'll Read It Again. The show of which so many people have said, I wonder what's on television. <laughs> the voices were those of Tim Brooke Taylor, John Cleese, Graham Garden, David Hatch, Joe Kendler, Bilotti, though not necessarily in that order. The scripts were written by Graham Chapman, John Cleese, Graham Garden, Joe Kendler, Bilotti. The song was by Bilotti, and all the operas were by Graham Garden. The music was by Leon Cohen, who did all his own arrangements. Well, no one else would. <laughs> the whole show was hatched by me, David, while all Peter could do was titheridge. <laughs> so there it is. You'll have to contain yourselves till next week, when once again you hear those mellow tones of John, I've got four pens in my breast pocket, please, saying... Oh, no, it's I'm sorry, I'll be dead again, mother, again! <laughs>
mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.